Hello, this is the Made Musings podcast, the podcast that focuses on everyday issues, illnesses, and disabilities that affect everyday people. Find us anywhere you listen to your podcast and on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Made Musings. Please subscribe. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Made Musings podcast, the show where we talk about all the difficult things, disabilities, illnesses, and the practical ways that people deal with these illnesses and disabilities. And it's always great to have guests on the episode. So today I have a guest who is a cancer survivor. She is also a nutrition therapist and also a member of the British Society for Integrative Oncology and Nutritional Therapist. So today we will be talking about her experience with cancer and how she got through that and the importance of nutrition and self-care in dealing with any illness or life as a whole. So welcome <laughs> to my podcast, Kirsten Cheek. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Thank you for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to today. Oh, thank you so much. So let's just start with a basic introduction. Who you are and how did you become a nutrition therapist and what's your involvement in this cancer journey and everything? Just share your experience. Well, I think I'm giving you to okay. <laughs> Well, I'll start with where I'm at at the moment. So I'm, I'm a nutritional therapist and I've been doing that since 2003. So that's what, 17 years now. Um, so I work with people one-to-one. -one. I do a lot of one-to-one -one consultations. I also run a lot of workshops and courses. Most of those are online at the moment. Um, and I see most of my clients online at the moment too, or on the telephone. Um, I also teach. So I, um, I lecture in nutrition and pathophysiology and and other there's um, other modules that I teach um, to degree students at East Sussex College on a complementary healthcare foundation degree. What else do I do? I yes, I do lots of writing and talking about about nutrition, and it's really varied. So I work with people with all kinds of aims for their health. Um, but I did a little tot up yesterday, and I think. At least 25% of the people that I work with have a cancer diagnosis. And I've never really put myself out there as a specialist for cancer, but I did have cancer before I started studying nutrition. It was one of my motivations. So that was back in 1998, I think I was diagnosed. So I was in my late 20s. It was it was a really difficult time. We can go back and, and talk about that. but. I got through it and part of my healing process was to engage with self-care. So that was nutrition. It was also yoga, qigong, meditation, 
spending lots of time in nature, generally just really taking care of myself, um, nourishing myself as much as I could. So that's really the, the fundamental tenet of everything that I teach now is that any nutritional process must be a nourishing journey of self-care. There's so much around nutrition that is um, at risk of falling into that pitfall of being restrictive and damaging and feeding into our self-judgments and our um, feelings of low self-esteem. So we can diet to punish ourselves. We can attempt nutrition programs that set ourselves up to fail and then give ourselves a hard time when we fail. We can develop really unhealthy relationships with food and nutrition. So I want to make sure that at the heart of it all, it's all really about self-nourishment, self-care, self-worth, self-love, self-esteem, because they're fundamental to feeling happy and healthy in this world. But I think when you've had cancer yourself, somehow (laughs) you draw certain kinds of people or or people with certain, in certain situations. And then my kind of reputation has spread over the years. I then started working with Dr. Andre Young-Snell at the Vision of Hope Clinic in Brighton. I'm based just outside of Brighton in the UK. And he also has a lot of people with cancer at his clinic. I've done a lot of work with an amazing charity called Yes to Life. So Yes to Life, it's for people with cancer. It's to offer an integrative approach. So they can offer support in lots of different kinds of ways. And their approach has always been non-judgmental. So if somebody wants to come along and explore complementary therapy alongside their chemo or their radio or their whatever treatment they're having, absolutely fine. If they want to do it on its own, absolutely fine. So that's always been a really important support there. And Robin Daly has also been instrumental in setting up the BSIO that you mentioned right at the start that I'm a member of, so the British Society for Integrative Oncology, which is really all about bringing traditional medicine, the NHS in this country, and private medicine as well, speaking to people like me, speaking to massage therapists, exercise therapists, herbalists, getting us all to communicate and listen to each other and learn from each other and properly work together. And that's taking some really exciting steps forward at the moment. Thank you so much. That was quite insightful. Yes, it's so important to have self-care and the role of a nutritionist like you and the role of massage therapists and all sorts of experts in this field. I mean, you can't even talk about it enough, really. But it's also vital that we go through each stage of the cancer journey at a different pace. And people actually do have have different experience with cancer anyway, with all sorts of illnesses and disabilities. You have different things that you go through. But I just want to take you back to your own cancer experience. I know it's been a while, but were there symptoms that you had at that time or were there issues that made you more susceptible to cancer and how has that changed your perception with cancer and 
the choice of your career as a nutrition therapist? Okay, so I was in my late 20s. My 20s were a blast. I had loads of fun. (laughs) I was out partying lots. I met some incredible people. I was having a really great time. I was involved in some amazing projects, but I was not happy. There had been some events in my life that I hadn't dealt with effectively. And yeah, I just was kind of living a life that was a bit self-destructive, really, looking back. I was definitely burning the candle at both ends. As I said, I was involved in some amazing projects, um, like helping to set up um, aspects of the Brighton Fringe Festival. Really exhilarating and um, incredibly proud of what we all achieved back then. But the way that I was doing it, the way that actually many of us were doing it, was not conducive to good health and sustainability for ourselves. So I was definitely burning myself out big time. And I wasn't interested in self-care. I dabble in it a little bit every now and again, but really, I suppose, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, I wasn't ready for all of that. When the cancer diagnosis came along, it was a big shock. It was a bolt out of the blue. It was in my leg. It was a sarcoma in the muscle in my upper thigh. I was told it was a very rare type of sarcoma. I was experiencing some strange sensations down my leg into my foot. And I think it was where it was pressing on some nerves because it was a big lump. (laughs) It took a while to have it diagnosed because no one really recognised it down here. I was referred to London and they found someone that recognised what it was. I got the phone call pretty quickly after that to say you're coming in for surgery. And then I spent three weeks at Guy's Hospital. So there was the surgery to remove the lump. The really good news for me was that there were only, the the actual cancer itself was quite small. The lump was big, but the cancer in the middle of it was relatively small and it hadn't invaded anywhere else. It hadn't gotten into my groin or anywhere like that. So the plan was just to take it out and then I would recover and then I'd go back to living my normal life. Um, It didn't work out quite like that because there were some complications post-surgery. So that's why I ended up in guys three weeks and two surgeries later. (laughs) I was finally home, but I had this massive gaping hole in my leg where my stitches had come undone. They weren't able to set up again. So I was months on crutches waiting for the hole to heal from the inside out. And the next year or two for me, I have to say, I was probably very depressed looking back. I think I had a certain amount of trauma from the diagnosis, from the surgery. I was so lucky I didn't have to have any chemo or radio or anything like that. But I was, yeah, really very lucky. But I was still very traumatized by the whole experience. My whole body was in shock. And I think on top of everything else that I'd been burying through my 20s, just I just couldn't deal with it. My recovery from cancer, really, there was, the, there was a physical recovery from the surgery. And also I was very clear that if my body had managed to manifest this cancer, unless I made some changes, it could do it again. 
I hadn't done anything to stop the cancer coming back. All I'd done is have whatever was there cut out. And I know now that our bodies make cancer cells all the time. Um, but our bodies have systems in place to deal with that, not just one or two systems, lots of different systems in place to deal with those cancer cells. So if they fall down, then that's when the cancer can grow, develop, spread. So I needed to figure out how I could stop that happening again, because that hadn't been addressed. And it was also very clear to me that I needed to do that physically and also mentally, emotionally, psychologically on all of those levels. So you said you know now that our bodies produce cancer cells all the time. But at that time, did you know that? But no, not at the time I didn't realise that. That's one thing. Um, but that, people mm. don't know that, yes, our bodies do have these ways of producing cells that are supposed to be dangerous cells but we also have another system in our body that produces counter cells that fight this war sometimes they do attack each other and this is what causes cancer really it's just really incredible the layers of the immune system and and what goes on and there are substances and processes in our bodies that can trigger the death of cancer cells, um, but that can also cut off their blood supply, that can interrupt the way that they're growing into tissues and growing generally and spreading. So there, there's lots of different mechanisms by which cancer cell um, tumours, for example, grow that we have processes to stop. Yeah. And there are lots of nutrients and foods in our diets that can help with those processes. So there are lots of foods and nutrients that can trigger that the death of cancer cells that can help to cut off their blood supply and all of those different things. Um, but I didn't know that back then. There was so little information. I mean, we're talking the late 1990s. No one, there was a little bit of information out there, but I, I looked around for support and I couldn't really find any. So I felt kind of on my own with it in some ways. It's like I was figuring it out all from scratch. I was getting tiny snippets of information here and there. I had friends who were really supportive, friends who were bringing me food into hospital. I even had the chef at the hospital stopping off to buy fresh salad for me on his way into work every day. Oh, nice of me. <laughs> yeah, really good. Yeah. So I was quite well supported by my friends. And when I was back down in Brighton as well, my, my flatmates and some other friends. But I did feel that there wasn't really much out there to support a journey to health. So I had to figure it all out for myself with the help of, of my friends, my partner at the time, who is still my partner now. We got married in the end. He decided that he wanted to have some lifestyle changes as well. Um, so he took me to yoga and qigong and tai chi classes and things like that and, and got me interested in all of that. He bought me my first nutrition book. And I remember waking up one morning it, feeling like I was in a good place, feeling like I was finally like I was connected to my body, connected to the earth, really I suppose I'd spent years just feeling slightly disconnected and slightly outside of myself 
in some ways, not wanting to really feel what was going on in my body. But I now spent a couple of years embracing that and thinking, right, I want to fully inhabit my body and feel everything that's going on, however uncomfortable that might be. And it was then that I woke up one morning and thought, I want to be a nutritional therapist. And it was as though it was something that I'd always known, but I hadn't really connected to that part of me yet. The whole process just seemed really easy. I found the college where I wanted to train really easily. I loved the training. I got involved with the college when I finished training, ended up lecturing there, uh, have ended up lecturing at different colleges since. Um, and I've never looked back. My whole nutritional career has just been a joy, really. Thank you so much. We will take a quick break. And when we get back, we will continue to the next part of this recording. Don't go away. Please stay tuned. To help and support on dealing with cancer issues in the UK, you can contact Macmillan Cancer Research Organization. They are available on 0808-808-0000 or 0808-239-2000 or you can chat to a specialist on their website which is www.macmillan.org.uk and for myeloma cancer you have the Myeloma Foundation, which is available on 0800-980-3332. And in the U.S., you have the American Institute for Cancer Research. They are available on 1-800-843-8114. If you're just joining us, my guest today is Kirsten Cheek, who is a cancer survivor. She is also a nutrition therapist and also a member of the British Society for Integrative Oncology and Nutritional Therapist. Yes, the one thing I also wanted to highlight with this episode is the role of nutrition and self-care in the process of getting through illnesses and cancer and in your experience yes you said you just woke up one morning and knew you wanted to be a nutrition therapist what are the ways that nutrition helps us to fight cancer or illnesses yeah when i'm working with people with a diagnosis i don't claim to be able to cure them can't ever oh, yeah. make claims like that anyway oh, oh. I mean that you kill them but we could there are so many things that we could prevent absolutely preventative and also helping to support people through their cancer journey as well in lots of different ways and there's increasing evidence around all of that as well but there are fundamental nutrients that our bodies need to do their jobs properly and if we've got them all in place and if our underlying tissue is in good health also equally importantly the microbes that live 
in and on that tissue. So my, the microbiome has become a real buzzword recently. Um, it relates to the bacteria, the viruses, the fungi, all the different microbes oh. that live largely in the colon, um, but also throughout the digestive tract, all over the skin, in all the body's nooks and crannies and crevices, we've got these microbes. And their balance is absolutely key. Their balance and their biodiversity is really key. And we've, if we've got all of that in place, then our bodies can do what they go, that what they do best. Our bodies can sort most things out for themselves as long as we're well hydrated, well nourished, as long as everything is flowing around the body. So the body is a bit like the planet. So if you think of your body as a planet, and then you've got your plants growing on that planet, you've got the ecosystem of birds and bees and butterflies and animals and snakes and spiders and all the different things that live on that planet. We're exactly the same. And it's about balance and biodiversity. And if anything gets stuck or stagnant or malnourished, so the, the soil is poor or the pond is stagnant, that kind of thing, the ecosystem collapses. And it's the same with the human body. We've got to take care of those fundamentals, make sure everything's well-nourished and flowing, that there's movement, not stagnation. So if you take care of that, then your body can just do so much. It's so complex. It's so amazing. We really only know the tip of the iceberg of what our bodies are capable of. So if we just provide that, they can do so much more than we can through interfering, I believe. That's one of my main focuses is just looking looking at that and then trusting that the body will do what it needs to do. But of course, you can focus in on specific things that have been shown by evidence to be potentially helpful. So turmeric has been really popular um, for a number of years now. The curcuminoids in turmeric have so many anti-cancer properties um, the it's the curcuminoids mostly but we we don't absorb those very well in the digestive system so if you have a little black pepper with it it helps if you have some oil with it it helps and they can get in and do what they need to do some people will need a lot of turmeric for some people actually less is more so it's really trying to figure out how to have that turmeric for each individual rather than just saying everybody should have lots of turmeric. Um, there are other substances too. In fact, everything that has a, a vivid colour in nature and even many of the things that don't have a vivid colour, but all the different colours, the pigments are usually all antioxidants, which are protective against cancer, anti-inflammatories, if something is anti-inflammatory, then it's it's anti-cancer as well because cancer grows from, inflama from inflammation yeah. and additional anti-cancer properties too for many of them as well. So if we're eating lots of different coloured vegetables, fruits, then we'll have loads of these nutrients in our diet, the purple ones, the green ones, the yellow ones, the red ones. So we can really work on that level to optimise our body's capacity to keep cancer at bay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. So as a nutritional therapist, what exactly do you do? What exactly is your role when it comes mm -hmm. to cancer patients? Yeah, well, my, 
I guess my primary role is to help create a safe space for the person I'm working with. Um, the energy of cancer is an energy of fear. A lot of the time, the, the energy of the disease itself and also a lot of the of everything that's built up around cancer. So the, the industry around cancer, the adverts that we see on television about it, it's all very fear-based. When somebody gets a cancer diagnosis, it can, doesn't have to be, but for many people, it can be really quite crippling um, with fear. So one of the most healing things that anyone can do for somebody with a cancer diagnosis is to create a safe and trusting space for that person. Because when we're in fear, we everything tenses up and constricts and then things can't flow around the body. So even if you've got this amazing plate full of nutrients in front of you, if you're eating it in fear, then a lot of those nutrients aren't going to be able to get in or move around the body to where they need to go. So I really work on that quite a lot. And I talk to people about eating mindfully, partly because that helps with digestion, but also because it's a mindfulness practice. So that way people can, um, again, calm down some of the fear in their bodies, which shifts the way their nervous system is responding, it shifts the way their adrenal stress hormones are responding. And all of that has an impact on health as well. Stress contributes to inflammation in the body. Inflammation can contribute to cancer. So there's a lot that I now do um, with people with a cancer diagnosis that, that is around that before we even get into what food <laughs> is going to best be nourishing them through. And then I, so I take a really detailed case history to try and assess what's going to be the best approach for that individual. And I make some recommendations around diet, but I talk them through it. I talk to that person. I try and figure out what's going to be achievable for them, because there's no point in me recommending a diet that's going to be stressful and unachievable because that just pushes them back into that restriction and fear place. I want people to feel that they're being nourished by their diet. I want them to feel a positive relationship with their food and their diet. So all of that has to ha have a priority among the foods and supplements and lifestyle recommendations that I'm making. Thank you so much for sharing that information. So earlier you said your consultations are done over the phone. Mm -hmm. Is that just down to the COVID situation or has it always been that way? It's 100% like that at the moment because of the COVID situation. But actually, I've always seen a lot of people via Zoom and, and Skype and the telephone because I don't just see people who live locally to me. I see people around the country, around the world. So I've always had that as a way that people can access me more easily. When we went into our first lockdown, so I, when I see people face-to-face, -face, it's in one of two settings normally, either at the Vision of Hope Clinic or in my home. I have a treatment room in my home that I share with my husband, who's um, my fascial and um, sports massage therapist, deep tissue massage therapist. So every all of that shut down. So I was just doing the Zoom and telephone appointments. When things started to open up again, 
what happened here was that my so my husband when he's working now he's spending so much time between clients disinfecting and going through his whole covid protocol that we decided that it would be much easier if he had exclusive firm use of the treatment room um, and normally I would then use my lounge, but we didn't want to then have that as a clinic space that we were constantly disinfecting as well. So I just decided to not open up working face to face at the moment. I will probably look for another room to do that at some stage, but it's just not happening yet. So, yes, it is COVID, but I'd say most of my work has to be like that anyway. And it really works doing online consultations. I can still build up a connection with somebody. I can still see what I need to see in terms of where somebody's at physically and emotionally. So that's that's all doable. It's more difficult over the phone, but it's still possible. So it hasn't really interfered too much with the way that I work. Oh, thank you so much. I, I think the ways of working has to change now especially after COVID. Um, I think yours is one of the few people I've seen that have actually decided that, okay, that's the way it's going to be now. And I think it's practicable and it's workable. So let's see how it goes. So how can listeners connect with you if they want to connect with you? Oh, lots of different ways, actually. So um, if anyone wants to book an appointment, the best way is to email me on info at connectwithnutrition.co.uk. My website, which is connectwithnutrition.co.uk, all my consultation details and prices are up there. I also have lots of information on my website. So there's a blog section, there's loads of recipes and other information up there. I'm also on social media, either as Connect With Nutrition or Kirsten Chick. And I have a podcast as well, which is called North and Chick, which is about food, community and well-being. And I co-host that with Hayley North, who's a food educator, holistic chef and yoga and movement teacher. So there's lots of ways that people can interact with me, see what I'm up to. I run workshops online as well. So if you don't particularly want a a kind of a personalized consultation but you want to find out more about a topic I do online workshops on things like menopause nutrition and nutrition for people living with cancer nutrition for um, skin health um, lots of different topics I did one where I guided people through putting together their own summer cleanse program but really focusing on making it nourishing and really positive for self-esteem rather than work kind of playing into the little critical voices we have in our heads about ourselves so there's lots of different workshops that I offer and I can do bespoke workshops as well I can come and give talks be a guest speaker anything like that there's lots of lots of opportunities oh thank you it's so interesting that you said you also have a podcast yeah How did you get into podcasting? Well, it was when my book came out last year. Oh, that's another way, actually, that you can engage with me. I've got a book. Um, Here it is. It's called called Nutrition Brought to Life. Um, It's a thorough grounding in 
nourishment. Same thrower. And it's yes, it's very thorough, but it's also written in a way that's very engaging and easy to read. At the end of each chapter, there's an opportunity to reflect on some of the things that have come up in that chapter. Maybe try a couple of recipes at the back. There's 50 recipes at the back. Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's a chapter on how to pull all the information together and put your own personal nutrition plan together. So it's a really interactive, engaging and beautiful book as well. It's been really beautifully published. So that's available at all the usual booksellers. So what was your question? It was about getting into the podcast. That was it. (laughs) So when my book came out towards the end of last year, I started being invited for interviews on people's podcasts to talk about the book. And I enjoyed it a lot, whether it was podcast interviews or radio interviews. And I just thought, you know, I'd really like to to explore doing a podcast. And then Hayley North, who I run it with, we have over the years worked together lots. We've run retreats together. We've run workshops together. She's amazing. We work really well together, but we've not had an opportunity to collaborate for several years now. And we've been looking for something to do. (laughs) So we had a little chat saying, what can we do? We live in different countries. What can we do together and I mentioned that I'd been thinking about starting a podcast. Haley said, oh, I've been thinking about starting a podcast. <laughs> we came up with a theme. It all came together so beautifully. And it's we've, um, we've just interviewed our fourth guest and we're just loving it. We focus is, is food and well-being. So we usually give nutrition tips, recipe tips, lifestyle tips. But the, the guest we invite may not be anything to do with food. So our first guest, she's a food educator. Well, she actually, she runs cookery workshops as a therapeutic space, which is amazing for children, mostly, Susie Cunningham. But we've also had a, an, an empowerment photographer. We've just interviewed somebody who works with um, a humanitarian aid project. Yeah, we've had some really amazing people that nourish their communities in really extraordinary ways super exciting but yes they the impetus of it really came from my book and I I do just want to just get as much inspiration for people out there as possible in as many different ways as possible not everybody wants to sit down and read a book not everybody wants to come and do one of my courses or workshops or have a consultation but they might listen to a podcast that actually isn't directly about nutrition, but inspires them to think about self-care and how they look at themselves and how they look at themselves in position to the rest of the world shifts how they then live their lives in a positive way. Oh, thank you so much. That's so awesome. Because it's so important to be able to share this information in different ways and that's exactly what you're doing you've got a book you've got a podcast out and you're connecting with people on your online courses and i mean that's so nice to know and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and do you have last words for people at this time yeah i guess the simplest thing that i can say is really you are worth spending time and effort on no matter where you are with your health process whether you're super fit and healthy whether you're really in a 
dark place or whether you're somewhere in between, actually you're worth putting aside time and effort for and putting into place what you need in your life so that you can really thrive. So take some time to just sit with yourself and and have a think about what it is that feels right for you right now, what it is that, even if it's just one or two things, because it can be so overwhelming sometimes thinking about, oh my goodness, I've got to change things, but I just can't even cope with thinking about all of that at the moment. But it's worth just spending a few minutes just thinking, okay, if I could just change one thing or if I could just change two things right now, what would they be? And just every now and again, think, okay, let's change another one thing now. So taking time for ourselves is we have a lifelong healing journey that we're all going on, really. We all have things to heal from our lives, whether they're illnesses or traumas or whatever's going on. We don't have to do it all at once. We can do it layer by layer. Um, but it's but we are worth that commitment of setting aside time every now and again to think, okay, what's that one thing that I'm going to do right now? Thank you so much, Kirsten. So great to have you today. Nice to know that you are making an impact on the community as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Please download and share with your friends and family and on social media platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, IAT Radio, Listening Notes, Podchaser, Good Pods, Radio Public, Stitcher, Deezer, Pocket Cast, Himalaya, and anywhere you listen to your podcast. Please leave a review, comment, or feedback on our social media platforms on YouTube. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and also on our website www.podbean forward slash midmusings.com. Thank you very much.